If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn me to the book of John. The book of John. We will start in chapter 14, verse number 30. John chapter 14, verse number 30 this morning. I do want to encourage you, don't forget uh, your VBS cards. Put those in the offering plate. And uh, Miss Christy and Miss Jackie and Miss Stephanie, myself, will be greatly appreciative uh, of that. This morning, John chapter 14, verses 30, and then we'll read down to chapter 15, verse number 11. Hear God's word this morning. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray once again today. Father, we long to experience you. We long to see fruit in our lives. We long to experience the joy that you promised to us, to see answered prayers, to Prove to be your disciple. So, Father, I pray that you would help us not only hear your word today, but, God, may we apply it to our lives 
And may we be changed forever because we seek to abide in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What is the purpose of your life? Why were you created and what on earth are you here for? What has God caused, called you to do with your life? These are many questions that people ponder, but I submit to you this morning that our purpose as Christians are to glorify God by producing fruit. God has called every Christian, every follower of Jesus Christ to bear fruit in their lives for His glory. In our passage today, Jesus is going to show us, He's going to tell us how it is that we can bear fruit for His glory. This is the expectation for every Christian. Not just for the pastor, not just for the missionary, but for every one of us who claim the name of Christ. Our purpose is to bear fruit. How can we do it? God's words and Jesus tells us this morning. If you've been here the past few weeks, you know the setting this morning. Jesus has gathered with his disciples in the upper room during Passover. He has one final time before his death that will happen in less than 24 hours with his disciples. He has taught them about humility and service by washing their feet. He has warned them that one of you will betray me. That Peter, one of the strongest disciples, will deny me. And that I'm going to a place that you cannot come. Yet, in spite of this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For Jesus declared, right, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus continues to comfort his disciples. And we saw last week that there's going to be another helper to come. Another helper, a helper just like him. This helper, the Holy Spirit, will live in them. And he will be with them. And he will teach, he will convict he will comfort, he will bring to remembrance those things that Jesus has taught his disciples. Well, now in chapter 14, the very end, I'd like to read the last two verses of chapter 14 again. Jesus proclaims these words to his disciples around that table in that room together. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, For the ruler of this world is coming. 
He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded, so the world may know that I love the Father. Arise, let us go from here. The disciples are now leaving the upper room. It's time to go. Jesus has declared that we are now on our way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will pray and he will soon be arrested. He will be crucified for the sins of the world the very next day. But as they leave the room, as they leave the room, the instruction to the disciples does not stop. He continues to teach and give them a final exam or lesson as they continue on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in this very familiar passage in which books have been written written on, Jesus uses the analogy, if you will, of a vine and a branch and fruit. It's quite possibly he could have been walking and saw this trellis of vines where grapes for wine could be. It could be that he saw the very common symbol that the disciples were familiar with, a vine that that hung on the temple of Herod. But whatever the setting was, Jesus continues to instruct his disciples. And the main point today, the main purpose statement we see here that I want you to come away with is this. The only way to bear fruit is to know the true vine and abide in him. The only way for you to bear fruit, we'll talk about what fruit is in a minute, is to know the true vine and abide in him. So let's look at that first part together, verses 1 through 3. In order to bear fruit, you must first know the true vine. In chapter 15, verse number 1, Jesus declares, I am the true vine. The I am statements, right? John records seven I am statements throughout the gospel of John. This is the last of the seven I am statements in which Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus has already declared that he was the bread of life. He has declared that he was the light of the world. He has declared that he is the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. And now he says, I am the true vine. What is the significance of these I am statements? In the Old Testament, if you'll remember, it was God who revealed his name to Moses as I am who I am. God tells Moses, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Thus in Judaism, I am is understood as a name for God. And so when Jesus made a I am statement in which he claimed, he is claiming attributes of deity. 
who is identifying himself as God. And in John chapter 8, verse 58, he's already said, Before Abraham was, I am. So each of these statements that Jesus is identifying, he's identifying himself not as a mere prophet, not as, as a good teacher, but one of deity. And in this instance, he says, I am the true vine. The true vine. What is Jesus talking about here? A true vine. Jesus was not introducing a new idea by using the metaphor of a vine. Throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel were pictured as the Lord's vine. And you see many instances, in particular in Isaiah chapter 5. Listen to these verses. The prophet Isaiah, speaking of the people of Israel, associates them as a vine. In verse 4 through 7 of chapter 5 of Isaiah, he says, What more could you have been done for my vineyard than I have done for you? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do in my vineyard. I will take away its hedges, and I will, it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, Israel in its rebellion to God in one sense was no longer the vine in which God's blessing would come through. The way to God is now through the true vine, Jesus Christ. You don't need to be a citizen of Israel to be right with God. You need to be connected to the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. As the true vine, Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of strength. He is where fruit comes from. It's not the religion of the Pharisees, but Jesus says, it is through me that you will have life and strength. I am now the true vine. And so we see his identity in verse number one. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. But notice in verses two and three, we're going to see his work that he performs. This is all knowing who the true vine is. Verse two says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Much debate about this verse, but some interpret it as he lifts up or referred to it as Jesus or as Judas in the immediate context. But he takes away the fruit. But notice I want to focus in the end of verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The branches, we know, is referring to believers in Jesus, his followers, his disciples. But there's a pruning that's necessary. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He doesn't leave that branch alone. He doesn't allow that branch just to live out the rest of its days in comfort. 
No, the vine dresser takes the sharp edge and begins clipping and cutting away at the plant so that it may bear more fruit. The plant is doing well, but yet there still needs to be a pruning. Now, I'm no gardener. I'm not going to pretend to be a gardener. I'm not a horticulture expert. But my grandfather was a county extension agent. <laughs> but there are certain times, right, when you have to cut back a plant in order for it to come back again the next year stronger and to bloom and to bear more fruit. So the good gardener, right, takes the necessary tool and begins cutting and clipping away. And if the branch could feel this, it would be painful, right? But it is necessary for the plant. There's a pruning that must take place for the vine or the branch to produce all that God wants it to produce. And we've said that the branches he identifies as believers, so there is a pruning that is necessary for us. What is the knife that the Lord uses to cut and prune his branches? How does he prune his beloved children? It's through the Holy Spirit, the reading of his word that shapes us and shows us our shortcomings. And sometimes it's the knife of the trials of this world. Every trial you experience may not be because of your sin, though oftentimes we do face the Lord's discipline for the stupid things we all do sometimes. But sometimes the Lord brings about trials in your life in order to prune you, to make you more like Himself. Do you know this morning that the Lord Jesus loves you too much to leave you the same? The Lord Jesus wants to conform you to be like Him. And the oftentimes the way the Lord has to conform us is through the pruning process. The Lord wants to clip away those things that hinder us from becoming more like uh, Him. The Lord wants us to clip away our selfishness. The Lord wants to clip away our greed and lust. The Lord wants to clip away our pride and self-sufficiency. The Lord wants to clip away your anger. You see, He loves you too much to leave you the same. Could it be the trial you're experiencing is the Lord's pruning of you? Why would the Lord do this? Why would the Lord take the knife to His children? Why does He want to do this? Notice the end of verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. Here's the reason. So that you might bear more fruit. The fruit of Christ's likeness in you. When the vine comes back the next year, it's more beautiful. It's more fruitful. It's more productive. And this is what Christ wants for you. That you might be complete and mature in Him. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says, 
count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James tells us to count it joy when we face these trials, all different kinds, because God is at work in us and through us, that he might mature us. As well as 1 Peter 5, or 1 Peter 1, he talks about various trials to test the genuineness of our faith, more precious than gold, that we must be tested by the fire. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Listen to this quote. He says, The Holy Spirit is often the knife from which the great husband prunes the vine and brothers and sisters. If we are more willing to feel the edge of the word and let it cut away even something that may be very dear to us, we should not need so much pruning by affliction. It is because the first knife does not always produce the desired result that another sharp tool is is used by which we are effectively pruned. Pruning is necessary. But know this, the hand is closest to the vine when it's clipping away. You're not alone. God is with you. And so we need to recognize who this true vine is if we want to produce fruit and his work. But notice in verses 4 through 6, in order to bear fruit, we must abide in Christ. From verses 4 to verse number 10, we see the word abide 10 different times. This is the command that Jesus gives his disciples. The command is to abide. Your translation may say remain, but the idea is clear. Stay connected to Jesus. Continue in place. Remain in him. Stay steadied, anchored to him, fixed in him, drawing from him, continually connected and in touch with Him. To abide with Jesus is to walk with Him. And notice in verse 4, He says, Abide in me and I in you. And so it is He who is abiding in us. The key to bearing fruit in our life is simple. It is being connected to Jesus. The branch is no good apart from the vine. The vine produces the nutrients. The vine provides the things the branch needs in order to produce fruit. So as you abide in Jesus, the natural outflow of your life will be fruit. He is producing fruit in you. You are not producing the fruit, but Jesus works in you to produce it. Just as the branch must stay connected to the vine to bear fruit, the key to bearing fruit in your life is staying connected to Jesus. Being with Him in prayer. Being with Him in His Word. Hearing His voice and obeying. 
pastor and church planner Vince Pittman says it like this. He says, the word abide is designed to help you remember that following Jesus is first and foremost about your relationship with him. It's about that wonderful, intimate fellowship between you and your Savior. Savior. And if you think that sounds kind of simple, you're right. It's supposed to be. He goes on to say the invitation to follow Jesus isn't an invitation to live for Jesus. It's an invitation to abide in Jesus and let him, out of the outflow of that relationship, live his life in and through us in a way that produces fruit for his kingdom. You see, it's not about us mustering up our strength in our own power. It's not about us trying harder. But our focus should not be on the fruit, but it should be on abiding and walking with Jesus. It's only as we abide in Jesus that we can produce fruit. Now, what is this fruit that he is speaking of, right? The Bible mentions fruit several times throughout the Scriptures. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, growing in Christ's likeness. That is a byproduct of living with Jesus. And so we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. These things are exhibited in our life as we abide in Jesus. The Bible also talks about the fruit of giving. In Romans, the people gave to help the ministry as a fruit of God's work in them. As well as praise. The Bible talks about the fruit of praise, leading others to the Lord. All these things are fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is demonstrating more and more Christ-likeness in your character and in your service to Him. But it only happens as we abide. Notice the end of verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You as a branch cannot bear fruit by yourself, right? If I were to break off a branch of a tree and bring it in here, it's not producing fruit, right? You might can try to staple on some fruit and act like it, but there's no fruit coming from it. It is disconnected from its nutrient source. It is going to die. Remember, I'm no gardener expert, but I know that the fruit is not coming if it's not connected to the vine. In the same way in the Christian life, when we are disconnected from our source, we are not going to produce lasting fruit. Jesus is telling us this morning, I am the source of all you need. You do not need to look any other place. Stay and continue in me. I will work in you to produce the fruit. Seek intimacy with me. Seek to know me. Walk with me. Obey me. Allow me to guide and direct you. And fruit will be a byproduct of your life. What does this mean for the church, right? We can have the greatest children events in the world. But if there's no abiding in Jesus, there will be no lasting fruit. What does it mean for the youth group? We can have the most amazing activities in discipleship, but if there's no abiding in Jesus, there's no eternal impact. 
We can have the greatest choir and the greatest worship team. And thousands can come. But if there's no abiding in Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can have the greatest deacon team in the world. But if there's no abiding in Jesus, there will be no lasting fruit. We can have the greatest mission strategy to make disciples all over the world. But if we're not walking with Jesus and abiding with him, no lasting fruit. We can have the greatest pastor search team in the world, but if there's no abiding in Jesus, there will not be much success in finding God's true man. You see, the Bible is clear. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. No eternal value, no lasting fruit. Fruit comes as an overflow and a byproduct of walking with Him. This morning, as you think about your own life, are you abiding? Are you walking in Jesus? Notice real quickly the results of abiding in Jesus. Verse number 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's answers in prayer when we abide in Jesus and his word abides in us. We're transformed in what we ask for. And God delights to give his children as we abide in him and his words abide in us. God will answer prayers. Notice in verse 8 another thing, assurance of salvation. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. It is not the baptism certificate. It is not saying the sinner's prayer. It is not walking the aisle, joining the church. That is, proves the genuineness of a disciple, but it is bearing fruit. He says, as you bear fruit, you prove to be my disciple. And then in verse 11, one more thing we see, the result of abiding in Jesus is abundant joy. These things I've spoken to you that you might have joy. My joy may be you and your joy may be filled. When we're truly walking with Jesus, there's a joy in us and there's a joy about us that can't help but overflow. I love the story Tony Evans tells he tells the story and says there are two different ways to drink tea, right? Some people are dippers. They get their tea bag, they dip it in the mug, they dip it out. He says, I know a lot of Christians like that. They dip in on Sunday morning, they dip out, dip in on Wednesday night, dip out. He explains that there's another way to drink tea, and that is for the tea bag to abide. It involves the act of dropping the tea bag in the water and letting it stay there without touching the water, right? An amazing, without touching the bag, amazing thing happens. The color of the water begins to change as the influence of the bag and the hot water affects change in the cup. A person can just sit and watch the transformation take place as that water begins to turn into tea as the act of abiding tea bag in the water. He says when you're a dipper, 
you got to make things happen by your own effort, right? You've got to move the bag up and down, dip a spoon in and out, wrap it around the string. It requires a lot of effort, but when you're abiding, the water changes all by itself. He once said, I met a guy, we were both drinking tea. He was dipping and, and pulling the tea up, and I just let my tea bag sit in. Hear this. He told me that he couldn't let his tea bag sit in because it would just get too strong. That's exactly what happens when you abide. The depth of your abiding will determine the strength of your spiritual walk. This morning, is your life characterized by fruit? Do you want to bear fruit for the glory of God and do that which God has called you to do? Know the true vine and abide in Him. Walk with Jesus. Focus on your relationship with Him. I love the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy seeking to do important tasks. But Jesus said, Mary chose the better thing. She sat at the feet of Jesus, heard His word. And as He heard His word, she said, this is the one thing, he said, this is the one thing that is necessary. Are you spending time with the Lord? Abide in Him. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for seeking to, in our own strength, Accomplish that which only you can accomplish. Father, I pray that you would cut away those things that are hindering our walk with you. Father, I pray for those who are in the room who maybe do not know you and are not your disciple. God, would you move in their heart and show them their need of you and call them to yourself. And Father, I pray for each one of us who call the name of Christ. God, would you help us to walk with you today? God, we focus on so many activities, focus on so many programs and structures, God. But help us to focus on you and our relationship with you so that we can truly bear fruit that lasts for eternity. God, would you move in our hearts. Holy Spirit, do your work in us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.